0: So I'm curious, how many of you have read Jim Cosgrove's new book, Ripple? A few of us? Okay. So Jim wrote this book recently, and I'm gonna highly recommend that you you read it if you haven't already. And as as I was reading the book, it got me thinking a little bit about how some people have, or maybe they claim to have, the ability to communicate with the spirit of those who have died. Now, I'm not gonna spoil Jim's book, but That is a very important part of the book in the search for Frank McGonigal's killer. And it kind of got me thinking back to a story that my friend father, Chris, told me years ago. Now, Chris is retired now, but he had spent the years of his ministry serving in local parishes. He was Roman Catholic, and he never wanted to be promoted out of the role of a parish priest. It kind of reminded me of some, some high school principals or just school principals in general who never want to be promoted out of the building level because that's where the magic happens. That's, that's where the daily interactions with students. And that's where it happens. And I didn't know this until he shared it with me. But when he was in seminary, he did something particularly awful and hurtful. And he was afraid that if he confessed it openly, that his fellow priests would judge him, maybe even have him removed. Or that he would lose the respect of the people that he served, the people that he loved. And so for decades, the shame just ate away at him. And he prayed for forgiveness for years And he tried to live his call as a priest as faithfully as he could, hoping somehow to atone for this sin. Anyway, Chris had this person in a parish that he served who said that she could commune with the spirits of the dead, including the spirit of Christ. Now, Chris was skeptical. But even more than skeptical, concerned. Because acting as a spiritual medium is, in our scripture, sometimes called a witch. And, um, you know, we have not had a good history with witches. It's a prohibited practice in scripture. And yet, Jesus himself contacted the spirits of Moses and Elijah, so there, there's some gray area in there. And Chris wasn't about condemning this. one, He was not on a witch hunt. It wasn't about condemning this woman. He was, though, curious. Could she actually do it? Could she actually commune directly with the spirit of Jesus? Now, I've known people also who have made this claim. So Chris did something a little impulsive. He told her, when I was in seminary, I did something wrong. No one else knows about it. The next time you talk to Jesus, I would like you to ask him what that sin was. And if he tells you, then I know that you are really talking to him. Now, on one level, Chris was testing her. Maybe even a little bit trying to call her bluff. But on another level, Chris wanted to know if she might offer him some relief from the shame that he had been carrying for so long. Today we're considering the practice of forgiving yourself. And I think some of the strongest chains of hurt and regret that I have seen in people are those people who go through life carrying shame. Now, last week on Mother's Day, if you worship with us, I do want to let you know, Michelle did connect with us online last week, which was kind of cool. Anyway, it got me thinking about, I remembered a wonderful mom who carried this profound guilt with her because when her son was born, she kind of resented him at first. And maybe it was postpartum depression, but... She internalized this as shame that she wasn't a good mother, that she didn't love like other moms. Even after decades of loving parenthood, now that is serious, that's that's next level mom guilt. And, And it got me thinking there was a woman in her 40s who is divorced and she's distant, she has one surviving sister, no other members of her family and She feels alone in the world. And I I met with her. I could tell that she was depressed. And I really convinced her to see a therapist who began to treat her depression, which was good. But the medications made her feel less sharp, not like herself, not as good at work. And so she stopped taking them. And things spiraled. They got so much worse. She blamed me for advising her to seek health care, mental health care. She blamed herself for being weak and needy. Now thankfully, God's Spirit sparked a ray of hope, and she went back to the therapist and the medication, and, and today she's alive, and she is doing so much better. And I thank God for that. And I could just go through There are so many stories of people who live with this shadow of shame, darkening their lives. There are so many stories of people who have not been able to forgive themselves.
1: God once said through the prophet Jeremiah, They will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins.
0: There's a, a big difference between guilt and shame. Now, guilt gets a bad rap. What we call guilt, it, guilt can be a healthy reaction to knowing that you did something. That you maybe something you or you failed to do something that caused harm, that caused hurt. And and guilt can be a force in our lives that motivates us to acknowledge the truth and work for forgiveness and maybe even reconciliation. Shame, though, is different. Shame is complicated. And sometimes guilt can feed into shame, but shame is this internalized sense. Self loathing. But there's something wrong with you. It's that stuff in your life you try to hide from anybody else knowing about, even God, because you feel unworthy or defective or weak or just less than. Guilt isn't always a bad thing. God can use your experience of guilt to even mo- as a motivation to heal. Shame, though, shame is something else. You could even say, and and I'll even say this, I believe that shame, that internalized uh, feeling, is something that Jesus worked his entire life, his entire ministry is about tearing down the power and the politics of shame. In Christ's church, we should be anti-shame. I know that's not always been the truth, though. Now if you think about the story, even going back that story about the man and the woman in the garden of Eden, they both eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil.
1: Then they both saw clearly and knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. During that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? The man replied, I heard your sound in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself.
0: In this story, they were guilty of breaking a commandment but it's the sense of shame that they experience that causes them to hide see God had said you if you the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you're going to die which was supposed to be the consequence they confessed their sin and there were consequences yes but they were also forgiven However, the couple, though, continues to live with that sense of shame, this idea that somehow that they were now they were fallen, that they were somehow they were less than, or that they were defective. This is not what God wants. Jesus' entire life is about breaking down the shadow of shame that makes poor people. Think about how many poor people feel like they're they're guilty of the sin of being poor, and they feel shame for it. There is no shame in being poor. How many people who are sick are blamed for their sickness, thought that they're they're weak, or they're, they're less than, or defective, and they internalize that as shame, like they did something wrong. That's how we're created, we're created more, we get sick victims of sexual and domestic violence how many people live in shame for that jesus works his entire life to cast healing light onto the shadows of shame in our world to dispel them in christ church We don't do shame. That's not Jesus' thing. And yet, it frustrates me so often when I hear people like, I go to church and I feel shame. You should not because that is anti the teachings of Jesus. However, there are also many people who get really, really good at hiding their shame. Because they don't want anybody to see it. They're like Father Chris. They want it to, they, they, Learn over the years to hide it. It It's always with them, but they're able to hide it. And it can be really hard to recognize when a person like that who's so good at hiding it, when they're suffering. And this is why. This is why. Because we are so good at hiding our shame. It is so important for us to learn to forgive ourselves. Because dealing with guilt is one thing. Just dealing with it, even if it's extremely difficult, and I know it can be. You can change, and you can work for forgiveness. Absolutely. But shame, shame becomes part of how we look at ourselves. We live with it. Yeah, we can put it aside sometimes, but it's always there. And just naming it to yourself doesn't just make it go away, it doesn't always just help.
1: If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything.
0: From everything. Father Chris never shared the shame that he carried for decades. I still don't know what it was. Even as people saw him as a good man of God, every time they talked to him about being a good, good priest, a good man of God, it, it was the shame that he felt. Sometimes it would come across as humility, and to him that made it even feel worse. Two weeks, two weeks after they had con- had this conversation with this woman in his parish, she came back to him. And he asked her if she had been able to speak with Jesus about him. Yes, I did, she said. Did you talk to him about my question? Yes, she said, I did. Did he answer you? Yes, as a matter of fact, he did. Chris said his heart was pounding. So much at this moment, and he was all tensed up. So what did he say? I told him that my priest had committed an awful sin while he was in seminary; that he was still burdened by it. He wants—he wants to know if you know. Uh, um, he wants to know if you know what that sin was. And she said, Jesus looked right at me and said, "Ah, yes, your priest." You know, I just don't remember what it was anymore. Did that woman actually speak to the spirit of Christ? Was it real? What was real was that Chris felt a moment of absolution. He said that he felt the weight of shame lifted in an instant and it's never come back. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for anyone who is living in the shadow of shame. Talk to another person about it. Are you or someone that you love constrained by the weight of shame? Do you want to experience the freedom that comes from letting go and freely feeling constantly judged and found wanting. So here are the good news. You are not alone. God's Holy Spirit is with you and wants to bless you.